Welcome back to Beyond the Workouts Podcast. I am the head coach of Beyond Strength and Endurance, Kyle Holman. Get into a training episode today. Uh, fresh off watching the CrossFit Games. It was awesome to go again. And uh, man, always just uh, lots of cool stuff, great performances, and um, just some awesome moments with athletes competing and stuff like that. Um, this is an episode I've been wanting to do for a while. And so I figured, uh, you know, hey, fresh off that, while it's on the mind, uh, we'll dive into it. So, uh, going to cover a lot of things here with competitor training. Um, I mean, first and foremost, kind of what uh, I'm going to go through a lot of things of what I feel um, is involved in a good uh, competitor uh, programming um, and what you should do as a competitor and look to do. Um, This is just coming from 18 years of being a strength coach and just, uh, you know, finding a lot of things that that worked and some mistakes that uh, I feel are generally made and stuff like that um, and kind of diving into it from there. So, uh, first and foremost, you know, it's important to define uh, what we mean by uh, competitor training. Um, in my opinion, you know, competitor is somebody who is looking to go uh, beyond just kind of the health aspect of this, right? Like uh, a lot of people use all kinds of training, but especially CrossFit just to be, you know, stronger and more fit and healthier and uh, improve their lifestyle and things like that. And and that's awesome. Um the competitor is the one that looking, you know, for a little more than that. It could be uh, competing in local competitions, um, or really, you know, making a push, you know, in the open and beyond the open and things like that. Um, so that's kind of what I see as a competitor, that person that's looking for uh, a little more than, um, you know, just the health aspect of it um, wants to kind of compete, whether just like I said on the local level or or beyond that. Um, so we're gonna dive into a lot of things. I mean, um, intensity and volume and. Um, testing, Olympic lifting, strength training skills, conditioning, uh, Metcons, the, the mental side of this and, and things like that. So um, I kind of see two tiers when it comes to competitors. The uh, ones that, like I said, are looking to really just compete in local competitions um, and, and then kind of the next tier, which is those really pushing to, you know, perform in the open and, and look to quarterfinals or semifinals and things like that. So uh, let's get going. Intensity versus volume. Uh, this is a big one that I see um, anytime people want to, um, you know, really push uh, to do more things beyond, uh, like I said, just the health benefits of, of CrossFit or, or whatever training modality you're doing. But um, it's it's constantly seen like, well, you know, competitor training should just be more and more things, more and more volume. There's a lot of different things that come to this. I mean, first of all, you need to look at uh, your schedule. Um, you know, you look at CrossFit athletes, and this is their professional athlete. This is obviously what they do, and and therefore their entire uh, day and schedule is is based around that. But I see it a lot of times that people are, you know, married and or have a job and or have kids, and frustration could set in when you just feel that you need to do more and more and more training, which requires more and more time, and you just get frustrated because you're trying to fit in around all these other things and. You can lose life balance, whether or not spending enough time, you know, with your significant other or kids or, um, or your career or things like that. So, um, you know, I had a group of athletes when I owned a gym that had come in and they were training for triathlons. And um, so you know, when you're biking, swimming and running, that already is a lot of training. And um, I think they kind of expected me to, I don't know, if side with them is the right thing or um, kind of understand where they're coming from because they were talking about how they spend you know, six hours uh, training uh, a lot of days. And um, to me, I just, I mean, f- for what? You're not getting paid for this. Uh, um, 
and I know, you know, people have goals and you want to achieve things and that's, that's great. I'm not, um, you know, saying there definitely has to be work put in according to what you accomplish, but you know, for what, at the end of the day, if you're spending so much time away from your family, um, and things like that, and, you know, I just don't, I don't see the, the payoff there that that's just not in the life balance that I think you should have. I think, um, speaking of this topic too, I think there's so many times where people uh, spend way too much time training, um, because they're just considered, they just think more is better instead of looking at the intensity of it. So, um, that's what we're going to kind of dive in here. So you should know the stimulus of what you're, whether they're talking about strength training, Olympic lifting, conditioning, the Metcon or what or whatnot, you should know what the goal is and what the stimulus is you're looking for. And if you have so much training stacked up um, in your programming that you can't hit the intensity, um, then more isn't better. It's just junk reps, in my opinion. Um, you know, if you are not going as, as hard as you can or not hitting the stimulus in a Metcon because you have X, Y, and Z things that you have to do uh, after that. So in essence, you're saving yourself because you've got so much things to do. You're missing the boat. Um, you know, I think intensity is what's going to get you far, hitting the stimulus, hitting your percentages on your lifts. And if you can't do that uh, consistently on the different things that you have programmed, then just adding more things is counterproductive in my opinion. Um, because you're just adding more and more reps. And look, even if you want to be a competitor, um, I think one thing people don't think about is the long game. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're looking to compete, you know, now, and that might change later, you know, according to things that happen in your life, um, that can always change, but you should want to compete for the next five, 10, 15, 20 years. And when you get to the point where you're sacrificing intensity and not hitting the stimulus to just add more things to do, um, a, like I said, I think it just ends up being junk reps. It's not beneficial because you're not even hit the stimulus that that, is, that you're looking for, and therefore that's going to dictate the the training adaptations or the outcome. Um, but also you're just putting a ton of reps on your joints, tendons, ligaments, um, and you know if you if you want to keep going for a long time, uh, you have to take that into consideration. Um, so I think that's something to consider: is look at the training that you have. Um, and like I said, a, according to your schedule, if you have all these things programmed that now you're spending so much time away from your family, or you can't get done because of your time, uh, constraints, if you can't get everything done that was programmed, then you can start to get frustrated. That can honestly throw off depending on who's programming for you, the cycle, because if you're skipping certain things and that could be progressively moving towards other things. And so now you're kind of throwing it all out of whack. So, um, I'm a huge fan of, even if you want to be a competitor and, and, look at these competitions and stuff, start with less volume and hit those intensities um, because you do have to earn uh, volume as well. I mean, even you look at these CrossFit athletes that train for a lot of hours in a day, they didn't go from just taking class to all of a sudden, you know, so only training an hour a day to all of a sudden training six hours a day in the snap of a finger. That was something they had to build over time um, because you're, if you look at the physiology of it, I mean, your, your body has to be able to handle those things. So, um, Competitive training doesn't just mean more and more and more. Um, I'll dive into it more here in a minute. Like, yes, it does mean some things outside of the, the general programming, but um, you got to look at your schedule, what is realistic, um, and then also the intensity is the most important thing. You're better to do less things and hit the stimulus that you're supposed to hit 
as opposed to sacrificing uh, that intensity just to get uh, more volume or more things that you're, you're planning on doing. Strengths versus weaknesses. Uh, great quote by Spencer Hendel's dad uh, back in the OG days of CrossFit. Uh, Spencer Hendel was a competitor and you know his dad said when it comes to CrossFit, you have to be great at some things, you have to be good at everything, and you can't suck at anything. <laughs> um, that's true, right? I mean, as, as CrossFitters, when you look at all the things that uh, are involved in the sport, um, you know, if you're going to finish well, uh, then you, you can't suck at anything and you got to be great at some things. Um, but the thing about it is when you look at your weaknesses, and yes, we want to look at things, areas of opportunity or weaknesses, and we want to improve those, but not at the expense of your strengths. If you're someone that came from not much training or, you know, and or didn't play sports or things like that, and you really haven't lifted a lot and <laughs> haven't done a lot of conditioning, then you might come in uh, really not the best at anything. Um, and so therefore, um, you know, that's kind of a little bit different, but inevitably you're probably a little bit better at some things than you are others. But if you came from a strength training background, especially, and so you're already, you know, pretty damn strong. Um, you know, I came from playing college baseball and then did some powerlifting. And so strength has always been a strength for me. Uh, conditioning was the aspect that I really need to work on. So I want to improve my conditioning and my fitness and muscular endurance and things like that, but not at the expense of my strengths. Um, because if, if let's say my conditioning is, is bad, um, especially when I started, um, and my strength is great, if I improve my conditioning so much, even if I get it to a good level, but I've brought my strength now down to just a good level, in my opinion, you're worse overall. Um, because you want to bring that conditioning up to a good level, but keep that strength at a great level and vice versa. If you came from a conditioning background like running and that's your jam, but you really need to work on strength. Yes, we want to get strength to a good level, but not at the expense of that conditioning. Um, you know, using the CrossFit Games as an example again, inevitably, if you're around the sport and you look at the workouts, you can pick out people like, oh, this is going to be, this person's going to crush that. You know, this person might struggle with that. So you have to keep those strengths because otherwise, a lot of times nothing's your jam anymore. Um, even if I significantly improve my fitness and conditioning, which I have, I still want to keep strengths my strengths. So if there's a heavy barbell or a max lift or something like that, I need to be like, okay, this is where I'm going to score well. Um, so keep that in mind that um, and we'll dive into some, to more, some more specifics, but you need to improve your weaknesses, but not at the expense of dropping your strengths uh, to too low of a level. Class programming. So I see this a lot that, you know, once a person decides, you know, they want to be a competitor and um, so they want to do, you know, competitor programming, it's like they automatically assume they can't do class programming. Um, from some aspects, it seems like a holier than thou thing, like, well, I'm a competitor, so I'd, the class programming is beneath me. The programming should be good enough that in, even in the class programming, it should be able to meet everybody at their own individual levels. You know, we talk about scaling or modifying down, but you can also scale or modify up. Um, so there should be a way, even in the general class programming, to meet all levels where they are. Um, and I think uh, another thing I talked about in, in different episodes, sometimes, you know, we always err on the side of like, well, if we're scaling up, then it's got to be a heavier weight or a more difficult movement or whatever. Uh, it doesn't always have to be. Um, I mean, a great example of a workout uh, the other day, it was uh, three rounds for time, 30 swings, uh, 30 dubs, 30 wall balls, 30 dubs. Um, RX was 53.35 on the kettlebell, uh, 2014 on the wall ball. 
I think a lot of times when it's when we're scaling up, we think it has to be, well, it's got to be a 30-20 wall ball and it's got to be a 70-53 kettlebell. Well, in a three-round workout and something like 30 reps, that isn't a huge amount of reps, um, especially on those, uh, those movements, uh, particularly the swings and wall balls, it's not always about going heavier. Can you do those all unbroken? Can you do three rounds of 30 swings unbroken, 30 dubs unbroken, 30 wall balls unbroken, and 30 dubs unbroken again within the time frame and stimulus that we're looking for? If you can't, then there's no reason to go heavier because that going unbroken there and really pushing the pace um, on that is going to be way better of a training stimulus than using a heavier kettlebell and heavier wall ball and now having to break uh, multiple times in those. So uh, the class programming should be good enough, and I'm just a huge... Um, I just think people should be involved in their community at the gym. Once again, it's like automatically when we do this competitor track, then they're just kind of all, they're always doing their own thing, uh, either depending on your gym during class time and another spot at the gym or during open gym. So it's like, they're never involved with the general population. Um, and I just don't uh, believe in that. Uh, I think CrossFit is such a huge community thing and you should be involved in your community. Um, it's the beauty of CrossFit that, Whatever, if deadlifts in a workout, somebody could be using 315 right next to somebody that's using 65 pounds. Um, we're all pushing to the level that's appropriate for us. So um, I holistically believe, especially if you're just looking in uh, competing in local competitions, uh, that the class programming uh, should be sufficient. If it's not, then you know that's something to consider. But I think people always automatically assume it's not because, well, that's class programming and I'm a competitor. Well, I think if you really look at the programming, a lot of times uh, there's ways you can still uh, be a part of the community and challenge yourself to the level you need uh, within class. Um, even as a person looking at local competitions, I completely understand and agree that there should be extra work done, and we're going to talk more about that in a second. But I wholeheartedly believe that you can still take uh, class. Um, you know, if you're someone that's really made quarterfinals, maybe even semifinals and stuff like that, um, I still think you can take class, but there might need to be. Um, some a little bit separate training uh, for that level of individuals. But until you reach that level, um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's always, I think people revert to always thinking they need to be on a completely separate track when uh, I think program, programming should be sufficient uh, to meet everybody where they're at, uh, even within that class. Testing. Um, so, hey, this is the thing we, we definitely want to do when we want to test our abilities, um, whether that be in, you know, max lifts or, um, complexes or, you know, the Metcon or Watt or, uh, different distances on rowing or running or things like that. And, the, you know, it's great to, um, see where we're at, but I feel like a mistake that's made a lot, um, with programmers and, um, you know, the athletes, com the competitors is, are you actually looking at the numbers and is that dictating anything you're doing moving forward? Um, on one end, yes, it's great to test those things and see if there's improvement and things like that. Um, but you have to look at the why behind the numbers, even if your max is going up, um, or even if your times are getting better, or rounds and reps are increasing, you need to look at the numbers and therefore that should dictate something with your training. Uh, if we're just talking about extra work, uh, that you're doing, you know, outside of class, are those tests dictating anything? You know, when you hit a max lift or, or anything like that, are you looking at your strengths and weaknesses and therefore is that dictating your extra work? Because uh, like I said, we want to improve our weaknesses, but not the expense of our strengths. So, you know, are our weaknesses improving? 
and how our strength's doing, you need to look at that. And when you do these tests, that should therefore give you information to dictate something. If you're just getting these numbers and just continuing on a normal path and not changing anything or modifying anything, then in my opinion, you're just testing a test. Um, so you need to look at the numbers um, and what's occurring, and we'll dive more into it in each of the categories, but uh, there's always a why behind the what. Uh, even within a number, even if it's a, a better number than you've had before, you still need to evaluate the lift holistically, uh, looking at technique and other things like that. Uh, how did the workout go? Where did you fall apart? Where did you do well? Those, th- those things should dictate something, um, as opposed to just getting these numbers for the sake of getting numbers. Extra work. So as I mentioned, like class programming should be sufficient um, to uh, get that kind of general training. And there should be, you know, obviously the programming I feel should be, uh, even if it's just kind of a general uh, GPP track, like it should be moving through different cycles with different focuses. And that's going to be good for everybody. Um, And it should be able to meet everybody at their level. Uh, So that should be sufficient. But the extra work has to be specific to you. So we take class programming and say that's an hour, right? I mean, with the warm-up and the different things you're doing and time in between and setup time and stuff like that, that's an hour. When you look at extra work, in my opinion, it should be honestly 30 minutes to 60 minutes at most. Um, But that should be specific to you. Once again, I see these competitor tracks that has, it's like basically a two or three hour class programming. It's the same for everybody. And we defined competitor earlier. You're looking to take this beyond just your, you know, healthy lifestyle and things like that. So if it's, if you're not getting specific to you, then you're missing the boat. In my opinion, um, when we look at extra work, will there be things sometimes that line up? Yeah. You might find somebody else that also needs to work on their strength or fitness or whatever. And so you might be doing similar things, but it should not be, it doesn't matter if there's five, 10, 15, a hundred people doing this plan. It should not be the same plan for everybody. You can have that base kind of class programming hour block that is the same for everybody, but then you need to get specific to your strengths and weaknesses and you need to push the envelope on what is going to benefit you best. Um, so that's a big um, mistake I feel people make is just everybody's doing the same training all the time. Um, and to me, it's not that that's not beneficial, but unless you are getting specific to the individual, um, I feel like you're, you're missing out on a lot of gains that you could be making. Olympic lifting. So we're going to go through each one here. Uh, like I said, Olympic lifting, strength training skills, uh, conditioning, stuff like that. Um, I did another episode uh, called uh, Capability versus Capacity, which is a really good one to listen to. Uh, so I won't dive into it too much here. But with each one of these uh, sections that we're going to discuss, uh, this concept is very important. You know, when you look at Olympic lifting, um, and for each of these sections, it's similar that your capacity is those one rep lifts. Your your, or excuse me, your capability is your one rep lift. So it's your, it is your max capability to lift the heaviest weight that you can, um, or in conditioning the short, um, distances, um, or even in, you know, skills, it's, you know, looking at the strength aspect of it. Um, the capacity is looking at now your endurance, your muscular endurance. So, um, in Olympic lifting, you know, that capability is your one rep max. Your capacity is, uh, a couple of different things. It could be lifting um, a moderate to heavy barbell under fatigue. It could be stringing touch and go reps together. Um, that is your capacity. So Olympic lifting is a unique one um, because there's not only obviously a strength component involved, there's a mobility component involved and mobility is important in all things, but um, especially when we're talking about snatch and 
um, being overhead with the barbell. Uh, a lot of times it comes into play a lot more than other aspects. Um, and then there's also the technical aspect. So when you look at either one, your ability to string reps together, um, doing touch and go reps, or that one RM ability, you have to evaluate more than just what the number says, more than just you know whatever max weight I can do for 10 touch and go reps or um, the max weight I can lift. Why or what is your biggest area of opportunity? Um, for me coming in, it was mobility. Uh, my mobility was crap. That was my biggest limiting factor. For others, it's going to be the technical aspect um, that they just get out of uh, the, the bar path gets out of line as they get heavier or try to string reps together. For others, it's purely strength. Um, so you have to look at the why behind the what, uh, like I've said many times. So um, when I'm looking at a max lift, like I said, even if it goes up, we should be evaluating that lift, that what is going to continue to make it go up. And so when we're talking about that extra work in Olympic lifts, for some, it might be a huge mobility component, like it was for me. For others, their technique's pretty solid, um, but they just can't lift more weight, so it's a strength component. Uh, for others, they're very strong, but their technique is out of whack. So once again, if you have the same stock plan, then you can't meet all those different people um, where they need to be. I mean, look, we could all be snatching, um, and there might be a main component of that uh, section that we're all doing that is exactly the same. But then when you, especially when you look at uh, accessory work or even the warm-up leading up to it, for some, it might need to be a lot more mobility. For some, it might need to be a lot more technique. For others, it might need to be a strength component. So um, just kind of hammering this home that it, it has to be individual specific, uh, in my opinion, as a competitor. Um, like I said, you can have uh, kind of that base class programming, if you will, of that hour block where everyone's doing the same thing. But then from there on extra work that you're doing outside of class, it's got to be specific to you and not just specific to I need to work on strength, but whittling it down, like I said, in Olympic lifting, that where am I falling apart? Um, is it coming off the ground? Is it hitting the launch position? Um, is it mobility that I just can't get it overhead? So um, you need to analyze your lifts, and video is a huge part of this. If you have a coach to watch you, that's great. If not, like I did for a long time, because I had to train by myself for an extended period, uh, just with my schedule, I used to video myself, and then I would go back and look at the video and see um, you know, where I was missing the boat, and therefore that should dictate something uh, in my training to help shore up those areas. So um, in all of these things, uh, you got to look more than just what the numbers say and look uh, deeper into that to analyze what is the best course of action for you. Strength training. Uh, so once again, definitely the capability versus capacity comes in, you know, your one arm lifts, and then um, you know, the weight you can push, um, at different rep ranges. You can look up anywhere, uh, Google it of a, a rep percentage chart, and you're going to see, you know, according to your max, um, as different percentages, you know, from 90 to 80, 70, all the way down, what rep numbers you should be able to hit. And if we use an extreme example, cause I see it a lot, you'll find some people that can hit a high one RM. And then if you look at the percentage they should hit, um, according to that for 10 reps, they can't even come close and vice versa. You're going to get people that hit a rep max. And if you calculate what an estimated max is, so they should hit this certain number and they're not even close. So a couple of things that could come into play there. Um, a, it could be the mental side of it. You will just find some people that are way better at getting super amped up for one uh, rep, um, that max rep, they can get super amped up, but they struggle uh, mentally grinding through tough reps. 
other people, it's vice versa. They can grind through some reps all day, but it's a, the mental thing that as soon as this weight, you know, like in a back squat, feels like it's going to fold them in half, they struggle. So they can't hit those uh, heavy weights. Um, so you got to look at those things too. Um, once again, we could all be back squatting, but if I need to work more on the upper end of it, um, then I can stick to three reps or less and, and really be working on more heavier weights. If I'm very good at the heavy weights but struggle with reps, then I need to work on my muscular endurance. Um, so the other rep ranges, um, you know, five and above. Uh, so accessory work comes into play in strength training as well. But once again, what's occurring? What's failing on the lift? For some people, it's core strength. Once again, for some people, it could be mobility. Um, and for another thing could be that they've never done unilateral or single leg training a lot. It's always the, you know, squats and deadlifts that are bilateral, you know, both legs, uh, working. And as soon as they go to unilateral, they struggle with that because that comes into, it's just a different muscle recruitment. You get all different kinds of muscles that are engaged when you're going single leg from a stability standpoint. Um, so, uh, like I said, just hammering this home that it's got to be specific. Um, even if we're all doing strength training, it should be specific to each individual. Um, and you can look at it from lift to lift. There's people that have a great back squat and their deadlift is bad or, um, you know, vice versa and any number of combinations that could occur. So, um, like I said, outside of that, uh, you know, general class training, if you're looking at strength training, um, you need to um, see what your strengths and weaknesses are um, and where you could best improve. And that should dictate um, your training. Um, and it's one thing to mention, even if my strength is strength, that doesn't mean I'm never going to work on strength. Um, but it should be, you know, not as much as somebody who really needs to push the envelope on strength. So, um, I think it's an easy thing that <laughs> if you love lifting the barbell, that that's always something you want to go to as opposed to really focusing on your weaknesses. And I get it, but, um, just really dive down and to look in, to be more analytical of what's happening in the lift as opposed to just the numbers themselves. Skills. Uh, so this is all the things, uh, you know, the body weight movements, the pull-ups, toes to bar, pistols, handstand walk, handstand push-ups, all those things. Skills is a, a unique one, uh, a little bit similar to uh, Olympic lifting. It's because it's wildly varied. Um, even at a competitor level, you will find some people who maybe don't have the high skills yet. So maybe they can't do bar ring muscle-ups uh, yet or... Um, you know, handstand walks or something like that, or strict handstand pushups. Uh, so there still can be a situation, even in competitor training, that you know you can't do the high level skills. Uh, so you have in skills, you're going to have people who can't yet do the movement. You're going to have people that can do the movement, but only a few reps. Then you're going to have people that can do you know around ten to twenty, I would say, reps, which is a pretty good volume. And then you're going to have people that can do a lot more than that. So as you can see, there's just it's wildly varied on the abilities. Um, that people can do. And um, I did another episode on this of how to progress your skills. Uh, so I won't go super deep into it, but there's different levels that you need to look at according to where you're at. Um, you know, first and foremost, if you don't have the movement yet, you know, are you strong enough to do it? Um, if not, then we need to increase that strength. Once we've acquired the strength, now we're looking at drills and, and things like that to get our first rep of the movement. Then once we have that first rep, we now have to start building volume on that. But when you first do that, it has to be under no fatigue. Um, so you need to be doing sets of that movement. Let's say you've got to the point where you can do three, three ring muscle ups, um, and that's kind of your max right now. You know, can we do um, you know a ten minute EMOM where we're doing two reps and resting for the remainder of the minute? Because we need to get that rest in order to continually perform this movement. Once you've built that up to a certain level, 
Now we kind of come back down to low reps again, but now we can start introducing fatigue. Uh, but it needs to be general fatigue. So uh, meaning, you know, if I'm, once again, we'll use the ring muscle up thing. Um, can I hop on the assault bike to jack my heart rate? And then now can I string reps together? Because, you know, that's what's happening in a Metcon, right? Which we'll talk more about later, but my ability to string reps together when I'm under fatigue. Uh, but we first need to do that just generally. Um, specific fatigue is now getting involved not only in increasing heart rate, but the muscles that are involved um, in the movement. So, you know, something with ring muscle ups, that's obviously a huge pull. Um, so we could row to increase our heart rate, but we're also fatiguing our pull. And now can we string reps together? Um, you can also use something uh, like burpees because there is a press in the burpee and there is a press out in the muscle up. So in that third phase, we're kind of looking at uh, specific fatigue uh, from there. Um, and then, you know, we kind of get to the top level where we're now really starting to put it more and more in a Metcon and how many more reps can we do on broken when we have other things going on in a super high heart rate. So, um, once again, you need to look at each skill individually, because obviously this is wildly varied, right? You'll find people that can smash pull-ups, but can't do handstand push-ups or vice versa and any combination of things. So you can have that you know, once again, that stock class programming, but then when we're looking to really push the envelope on our skills, that has to be specific to each individual um, of where they're at with the skill and therefore what kind of level we fall in to best progress that skill. Conditioning. Uh, so we're mainly talking about here, you know, uh, row, bike, run, ski, uh, things like that, um, kind of that monostructural that CrossFit defines it as. Uh, once again, in this, you know, we have different distances and time domains, right? Um, there was a good example uh, from a, a rowing coach, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, so I apologize to him, but um, it was kind of his law of this that whatever I can row my 500 meter in, so let's just use an example that I can row my 500 meter in 130. For every time that distance doubles, it should my pace should only be five seconds higher. So what that means, if I can row 500 meters in 130, that my 1K pace should be 135, and my 2K pace should be 140. Um, now, this was a rowing coach um, and kind of dealing with, with people who do row consistently. So that's a hard mark to hit, especially, you know, we're not trying to specialize here in CrossFit, but we're trying to be uh, as good as we can be. But that's at least gives you an idea so you can look at things. You know, if you row a 13500 meter and your 2K pace is two minutes, then you know you struggle with more of the long distance um, conditioning aspect. Uh, and vice versa. If, if your uh, times are way too close, um, I, I always use the example, I had a group of runners coming in that were doing half marathons. And um, after three to four weeks of training, I just kind of noticed in Metcons that um, their pace was the same, no matter if it was a five-minute workout or a 30-minute workout. It seemed like they just kind of moved at the same pace. So finally, I, I just kind of asked, like, what do you guys, what's usually your mile time um, for these half marathons? And uh, a lot of them were right around 930 mile pace. And so um, one day I said, hey, we're going to run a mile absolutely as fast as we can and, um, you know, see what we can get there, like empty it out, all that. And a lot of them were like 925. Um, so you were barely moving any faster and it was, tw you know, half marathon. So we're talking about like 12 miles shorter. So you need to evaluate once again in conditioning where are your strengths and weaknesses? Are you better at the short distances and emptying it out? Or are you better at the longer grind of it? And therefore, that extra work on conditioning should um, start to dictate then what you're doing. So once again, we could all be rowing, but 
some people might be doing 2K repeats while other people are doing 500 meter repeats um, because that's hitting our uh, specifics. So uh, once again, look at yourself individually and within those different distances and time domains, you know, where do you do well and where do you struggle and, you know, work on uh, honing in on those weaknesses so we can get those improved. All right, so let's dive into the Metcon or WAD, whatever you call it, uh, metabolic conditioning or workout of the day. Um, so now we're actually in, you know, the, the typical CrossFit workout here. Once again, even with this, you can get more specific to the individual. Um, Murph is such a great example, right? Because um, I know a lot of times when people think competitor that you have to go all the way through uh, without breaking it up. But to me, that depends on what time you're getting. Um, because if that's taking way too long, then it best serves you to break it up. Um, but to dive in more to that, even if we're talking about doing the workout straight through, you're going to find wildly varied areas that people struggle with, right? Um, for me personally, like the running is not a problem. The pull-ups are the absolute easiest part of the workout for me. Um, I struggle in the high rep push-ups and squats, um, especially when you're doing those straight through. Um, other people, it could be different things. They could be completely fine with all the body weight movements, but they really struggle with running. Maybe especially that second run, they really fall off. Um, for other people, it could be uh, the push-ups. It could be the pull-ups. So once again, you have to look at Metcons and there's a way to um, you know modify it or whatever the format to fit each individual. Like I said, Murph is a great example because um, what what's the typical way that people break it up? They run a mile, then they do that Cindy format of 5, 10, 15, and then they do the mile. So we could all be doing the same workout, but the format of it might look differently because that's trying to hone in on our strengths and weaknesses. So um, skills comes into play here, um, even the barbell lifts, Olympic lifts, conditioning. Um, once again, hitting the stimulus and hitting that intensity is what's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. So you got to find a way. A lot of times it's taking your ego out of play. Like, well, you know, I'm a competitor, so I need to do it straight through. Well, if that's taking you an hour, then you're not ready to do it straight through yet, especially with the vest. Um, so you need to be honest with yourself. And even within the Metcons, there are a way to uh, reformat things uh, so that you can move through and hit that intensity. And then over time, you know, maybe build up to that full level um, of going straight through, but you need to hit the stimulus and intensity uh, before you earn uh, those uh, higher rep or whatever more difficult levels. The mental side. Uh, so this comes into play in everything, um, in training in general, um, in life. <laughs> but talking about training here, and especially for competitor training, there is 100% a mental component to this. And I think two big aspects to discuss are... One, even as a competitor or someone who, you know, like I said, wants to do more than just the health of this, you're going to have tough days. Um, you're going to have great days, you're going to have shitty days, and you're going to have every day in between. And it can sometimes get so frustrating to people if they're not hitting, you know, not using the weight they want or, you know, not RXing the workout or going above RX or, um, and that can be frustrating, but, um, I have a whole other episode on it. The one thing you must have um, in training is consistency. Consistency will take you further than anything, um, even intensity, which I've harped on a ton. Consistency is what's going to get you there. If you're only getting in, you know, or not showing up or to work out or doing extra stuff because, well, I can't do this weight that I want, so I'm just not going to do it at all. 
look, there are going to be days that you're just going to have to back it off a little bit. It could be, you know, it's something to evaluate for sure. Is it your nutrition? Is it overtraining? Is it just you had a really crappy day and you're just not mentally there? Um, rather than not showing up or getting super frustrated, you just have to understand that days like that are going to occur. And if you can, you know, show up some days, you just need to show up and breathe and sweat and move. And that's still a beneficial day. Uh, even if you didn't put RX on the board, or even if you didn't hit the weight you were looking for on some complex, like you have to understand those days are going to occur. Uh, you hear the quote all the time. Like if we only trained on the days we felt great, uh, depending on different phases of our life, that might not be very many, right? So, um, you got to know when, uh, it's a day where, Hey, I'm just not mentally or physically there, but I'm going to show up and breathe and move and sweat. Um, and this isn't a thing about no days off. Um, I'll never make an episode on that because you do need full rest days. Um, at least one, in my opinion. I mean, a lot of times what I do is I have five, uh, solid training days, one kind of active recovery day and one full day off. Um, especially if you want to do this for the long haul. And, and yes, I know it depends a little bit on age and things like that, but, uh, Regardless of that, if you want to be in it for the long haul, you need to recover. I mean, it is stress on the muscles plus recovery that equals adaptations or gains. So if you're uh, not doing that recovery component, uh, you can struggle. I mean, there was a great great quote by uh, Jim Jones, uh, Mark Twight, uh, who owns Jim Jones. It was like, uh, don't do the work if you don't have the balls to rest. <laughs> and sometimes for especially competitive people, that's the hardest thing to do um, is take that rest day. But uh, you need to do that and know when there's going to be days where maybe you're just not all there and you got to back it off a little bit. So that's one component of it. The other side of it is, you know, you're going to find as an athlete mentally where you do well and mentally where you struggle. Um, I mean, I'll tell you personally with me, I think it's coming from the sports background that I did. Like, man, I can do intervals all day long. Like I can push hard. I get that recovery. That is something that I mentally do extremely well at. As soon as we get into the longer time domains, that kind of long grind um, is what I struggle with. Um, And so I have to be honest with myself that that is something that I struggle with. And instead of always reverting to doing shorter time domains or interval-based stuff because I love that and it's mentally um, much easier for me to push through, I do need to challenge myself with the longer time domains. Um, And so you're going to find that. Um, and it could be certain movements that you don't like or any of those things, but you have to kind of take stock of, you know, where am I mentally really good at grinding through it and where am I not? Um, and that is a huge component of all this training as well is that, uh, the mental game, the mental side of it. Just kind of, uh, you know, a conclusion or summarizing everything, Uh, a lot of stuff we went through. Um, but I think, you know, some big takeaways are, like I said, it's not always about more, 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 more. It is about uh, hitting those intensities and, and things like that. Um, it's about being honest with yourself to look at your schedule. And we, we always need to find that life balance between everything we have going on in our life and not uh, skewing it too much in one area. Um, I did hear a great thing about balance that um, if you're trying to find balance every day, usually that's going to be a frustrating endeavor. Um, can you look at balance over the week or over the month? Um, because, you know, look, I'm a parent, I have two daughters and between their sports or anything else, there's just some days that requires more, uh, parenting time for me. Um, and so on that day, if I'm trying to find balance, it's gonna be tough to find it. And then there are other times where, um, you know, Hey, especially when they're in school, I have a lot more time. Um, and I can, you know, hit other things, uh, for a longer duration or, or spend more time on them or whatever. So, 
Um, I think that's a good thing that, you know, finding that balance, but knowing that, uh, you know, look over an, a more of an extended period as opposed to day to day. Um, you know, you got to be honest with yourself. Um, you got to look at your strengths and weaknesses. Um, nobody likes to work on things that they aren't very good at, right? Um, but a lot of times those are our biggest areas of opportunity. Um, I joke, but one time I created like a six-week cycle for myself called Everything That I Suck At. Uh, and, you know, I made a lot of improvement, but I'm going to tell you from a mental aspect, that was really tough going to the gym every day knowing that I'm working on things that I don't really like or I'm not very good at. So, um, you know, it's finding that balance too. We we want to work on our weaknesses, but not at the expense of our strengths. Um, but we're, you know, we're going to have to do some things we don't want to do. Um, sometimes that might be training by yourself. It might be training at a different time of day um, to get it in or something like that. But um, all of this is a balance. And even if you're looking to do you know, be a competitor and things like that. You still got to find that balance. Um, it's not always about more. It is about the substance of your training, not the hours in the gym. Um, man, I see people all the time like, well, I spend three hours a day in the gym and it's like, okay, but what are you doing in that three hours? <laughs> I mean, the, the time in the gym has nothing, uh, doesn't mean shit to be honest with you. It's the substance of what you're doing. Um, and there will be people that, only spend an hour in the gym and are making huge gains because they are hitting what they need to hit and at the intensity they need to. And then there are people that spend three hours a day at the gym and are getting mentally burnt out or are starting to maxes are starting to go down and, and, or just aren't increasing at a high level. So, um, a lot of things come into play. Um, and you need to find, um, what is going to be the best situation for you. Cause what works for one person doesn't mean it's going to work for another person. Um, so you can have that general training that you're all doing together. Um, but then you really need to look at with that extra work, what is going to push the envelope for you the best, um, and really start to hone in on that. Um, you know, if you're interested, Hey, we got, uh, competitor training and things like that and, um, taking on new clients. So, um, hit me up. Um, but Hey, if not keep working hard and we'll see you in the trenches.